Welcome everybody, this is Joe, and we got Omar here today. Omar, say what's up to everybody. How's it going, guys? So we are back again with another podcast. This is episode two, part two of Omar's story, and uh, we just want to say welcome, and uh, thank you so much to everyone who's listened so far. Uh, We just want to express our gratitude and appreciation, all of the support, and uh, just the feedback from everybody that's heard Omar's story, the beginning of it, and also just a little bit of what we talked about. A lot of people said it was compelling, uh, it was moving, his story was very incredible. Um, and so, yeah, just all glory to God, and we're just so grateful that you guys have been impacted by that. And so we're excited for, for what we have coming today. Uh, we get to hear a little bit more in depth of Omar's story, part two, um, and we're excited to really talk about um, just the topic of God's love in the midst of of his tragedy. Um, that is his heart surgery. And so first off, I'd like to just start off with a question that'll lead it into our discussion today. Um, and that was Omar, what you mentioned in the last podcast that you grew up with an idea of God that you grew up, you know, that you had this church, thought it was weird. Your parents checked it out. They got saved, stuff like that. Um, but really I'd love to dive in more, even, uh, what you thought of God and what your thoughts were surrounding the idea of God before you went into surgery and then what that experience was like um, up until now. So we'll dive more into that. But yeah, just share with us a little bit um, what that looked like for you. So what I, the reason why I, I think it's something of, um, well, to discuss what my thoughts were about God was mainly because uh, I, I actually... Um, didn't really know much about God. I kind of knew about religion. I knew what the Bible says is wrong, and I was doing everything that was wrong. Uh-huh. So I saw that as, um, I saw that as like, I don't know. Um, I couldn't live by it. I don't think anybody can. It's kind of an mm-hmm. impossible. It's an impossible task to live a certain way, like to behave a certain way. Yeah, perfectly. to behave perfectly. Yeah, there's yeah. no way. It's, totally. it's, it's infallible. It's, yeah. There's no way, and I started noticing that a lot of the things that I was experiencing in my life were like just my mistakes and not just my mistakes, but they were just, I guess, errors in Mm. in not just in a worldly perspective. I just wasn't doing things to measure up to what an ideal athlete looks like. For sure. Yeah, that's good. Well, I would love to hear even more like before your surgery, what was really going on? What caused the incident? You know, you kind of mentioned like, as we talk, you know, just in our friendship, you mentioned it was some corner like freak accident, um, stresses of life, things like that. So like, can we dive a little bit more deeper into your heart surgery? Yeah, so what happened was I actually ended up part of a fight team. I was kind of working a lot and I touched on it in the first one. But what I really wasn't doing was um, I was working a lot and I wasn't training as often as I was, but I was actually late at night. I was up. I drank a lot of coffee, so I had high blood pressure. And, mm-hmm. I, and I had, I mean, obviously, stresses of life doesn't help that. But having high blood pressure and worrying about the things that you're concerned about in life, as in just breathing. You know, I was worried about where I was going to live, where yeah. I was going to sleep. I was yeah. homeless. I lived in a toy store in Uptown Whittier. And yeah. right before the toy story, I mean, right after the toy story incident is when I had the heart surgery. So mm-hmm. I've never, like I said, I've never done drugs, um, never done anything to escalate that. 
But what I did realize was that, you know, even to, to this day, the doctors don't really have an understanding as to why a young man like me had the, this. Yeah, because you're, you're so young when you had that. Yeah. yeah. It was just, I guess I was like a walking time bomb. There's times when my body would go numb randomly and I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Apparently, I was having small strokes. It was which, your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, get sparring and doing all these things wasn't really great for my brain, you know, at the time being. <laughs> Rattling your right, brain yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, being part of that, um, I was living in a place to place um, situation. I wasn't, I was homeless. I was living in my car. I was, I would shower at the gym. So I was always clean. But um, I had my, like, my entire house was inside my car. Yeah. You know, everything um, you owned. Everything I owned was in the car. Yeah. And from time to time, I would stay at night at girls' houses and whatnot. And it just, it was just getting really bad to the point where I couldn't manage it anymore. The car broke down. And that's when I stayed at my ex's house and just things went sour from there. And that's when it led up to like the moment, right? Yeah, the moment of not being able to breathe and not being able to just spitting out blood or freaking out. I thought I had severe bronchitis or something in the middle of summer. You mm. know, like it just didn't make sense, didn't line up. And that alone really terrified me because I realized that no matter how much you... At the time, I was like, no matter how much you work out, something's, something's always going to happen, you know? Mm. And uh, so then, you know, when we fast forward, I was back in... Cedar, I ended up in Cedar sinai mm -hmm. and I realized that when they told me I was having heart surgery, the biggest thing that was scary was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. It, it feels like a weight lifted off my shoulders now that I'm talking about it. But to know that now people that back then were kind of making, we, I was making everyone have fun yeah. was because the truth is, is that the biggest step was... It's just like the scariest thing, man, is like you're you're coming face to face with death and you don't know if God is even real. That's where you were at. That's right? where I was at. Like I, I wanted to believe. I didn't even like I was just like, OK, well, I know this religious God that everyone has political debates over. But yeah. does he even exist? Does this even matter? Does he even care real? about me? Is yeah. it real? Is it legit? You know, and sitting there and laying in the hospital bed. You don't want a bunch of crybabies around you like, oh, we feel so sorry you're going through this. Like, it's the last thing that's on my mind. So when they came in, they told me about the procedure. They said, hey, we're going to do this to you. Mm. Which one do you want? The Ross valve, pig valve, or the mechanical valve? Yeah. I picked the Ross valve. And they wheeled me into the room. And the night before they wheeled me into the room, I realized, yeah. um, you know, I was kind of I was terrified because I was like, dude, I'm the only one that's going to come face to face with death. So the last thing I want to see is sad people around me. I'm going to make everyone as happy as I can. And right before they pull me in, you know, I'm going to let everyone know I love them because I didn't know if I was going to live. Well, the heart surgery, it's, you it, it's you're not, yeah, you're not having like, you're not having a surgery on your arm. You're, it's your ticker, you know, like it's your heart. Yeah. So I was terrified, you know, I'm like, this is, they're going to shut me down, turn me off and then reboot me. You know, that's exactly. if I even reboot, you know, like, I don't know. The surgery was supposed to be six hours. It ended up being like nine hours. So my family was probably terrified. Oh my God. And I was in I was in a whole different ball game. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And it's it's really important because I think um you even shared like you wanted to make everyone happy. So what was that like for you when you like because you mentioned, you know, you had some some trauma and some different things in your life and and I think it's important for our listeners to know like the reason why we felt like we wanted to break this up into part two is because 
Um, it's really important that we set the foundation for who we are and what we're about um, before we even give our opinions on topics and things like that. And so Omar and I felt that this is a good time to even just dive deeper into his story. So can you talk a little bit about what that looked like for you to see the faces of the ones you loved and going into that room knowing that I might not wake up? Yeah. So um, I felt during that time, my mom and my brother and my sister and my dad were there in the room, in the hospital room, and they came in and they're like, so what did the doctor say? And that's funny because I was making jokes <laughs> with everyone. But uh, the doctor was like, okay, well, you're going to be here a few weeks to, you know, recover. And I was like, well, I got no place to live. So this is cool for me. And <laughs> you're like free housing. And I was like free housing. That's what I actually, I said that. And I had, I was, like, I was walking around. I was like, well, I got my own shower. This is tight. Like it was a small little apartment. <laughs> But um, I remember my uncle but you're was with laughing. Sick people. But I was at six. I was with sick people, and I was like twenty something years old on the same floor with a bunch of older, like ninety year old people. <laughs> yeah, and they were just looking at me like I was weird. But the biggest thing was I, I wanted that before that I wanted the, the thoughts yeah. of life and death. I wanted to commit suicide because I just didn't mm. have anything to live for. I lost my dog, which is my only sense of family. My own family, everyone was kind of on, on their own boat, you know, and that's kind of what happens in life. Everyone is yeah. doing their own thing, but they're too concerned about themselves. They don't ask about the other person. How are you doing as a person, you know? Mm. So I was always going through something, but you, as a man, you're taught to cover it up. You're, you gotta be tough. You gotta hide right? it. Right? You gotta hide it. Yeah. So I always wanted to commit suicide, but I was too chicken to do it, you know? Um, did any thought about it? You wrestle? Is that something you? It was something with? I wrestled with a lot, but I was just no way I was able to do it. Like I never did drugs, so I was like, I can OD on what? I you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just I pondered it, but it never happened. And I figured, well, I can die in surgery, and nothing would happen. Like like as in like, like I didn't do sad, it myself. But yeah. It would be sad. So I wanted people to die when I if I died, I wanted people to be happy around me because they're mm-hmm. like the last thing we remember. Omar was he was saying these goofy jokes, you know, and mm-hmm. that's that's kind of how I thought about it. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned like, you didn't really want to share that. Cause like, it's not comforting. Yeah. Like, tell your I mean, I didn't want to tell my mom, you know, after surgery, you know, I wanted to die. Like she's going to be like, why would you even say that to me? You know, you're alive now. Be grateful. Mm-hmm. But I kept that for a long time because I didn't feel like I had any, anything to give anybody. Mm-hmm. I felt like, well, what could I possibly give to people? And you weren't a Christian. At this I wasn't, time. I wasn't a believer. I mean, I, I was like, what they call a, like, like a, agnostic, like you th- you knew there was something, but you well, just I, I believed in a god. But like I said, I was nine years old. I believed there's a god, but I just felt like God was like, all right, Omar, you're relevant. You don't want to listen. You're doing. You want to. You don't want to listen. My rules, you know. Mm. And I'm just not. I'm just gonna disregard you. I don't like you anymore. That's why I felt like God saw me as. Mm. And you know, talking about it now, I didn't want to bring it up back then because bring talking about it back then mm. people were like well why would you say that you you went through all this surgery you wasted everyone's time and yeah i'm just like being authentic it wasn't easy to 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 even have these thoughts as a person you know not feeling like i want to live you know at that time it was like mm. i don't want to live cuz i have nothing to live for exactly yeah yeah and so like what what kind of brought you to that place of like feeling like you wanted to give up or feeling like I didn't have anything to live for. Can you remember like certain things in your life that brought you to that vulnerable moment where you're like, man, like you're sitting in that room and you're like, I seriously, cause maybe this went through your head. Like, I don't mind if I don't wake up. Mm-hmm. Like what, that's exactly what, what happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what I was thinking was um, in the situation that I was in, 
I saw my, I remember it brought me back to the moment. So this is another thing. I dropped off my dog at one of my client's parents' houses and they said I can take, they can take care of my dog while I was out. Yeah. I posted it in my blog, but the moment that I dropped my dog off, there was no one there. It was like, it was like an afternoon, right? Everyone's at work. People Mm -hmm. were doing things, but I sat there and I wept like a baby, dude. I cried. Yeah. Not so much. Cause I mean, I wasn't putting them down. You know, I was giving them to someone who actually could take care of them. And I cried because the only, it's, it's more about the principle. The only sense of family I had, I had to give it up. And I personally while took you were, that. While you were like homeless. While I was homeless and, and stuff. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it kind of goes back into when I was in the room is I was homeless. I was, I couldn't take care of my own dog and my dog was an adorable dog. And it wasn't about the dog. It was about the principle of family. Mm-hmm. I had to give up my family because not because I needed to be a fighter, even though I, I kept convincing myself of that. It was more of the fact that I was irresponsible and I could not mm. function as an adult. So that really touched me and broke my heart. So in the hospital room, I felt like, well, you know, if the worst case scenario happens, you know, at least, you know, I know I'm dying and people can see me die in front of them, but it won't really resonate with them as in like, you know, he committed suicide. So I it just it was a really like bitter sweet pill to take in because I was like well I wasn't really doing anything productive you know even though mm. I was completely convinced I was mm. so yeah so would you uh, maybe touch on a little bit more of what that experience was like going into that hospital room because I know from our conversations you even touch on a little bit what it was like being under in surgery so yeah I would love to know from the moment they pulled you in that room. What, so, what was your experience? So this is the part that gets super entertaining. I know, I know, people have their perspectives on life and death and life and death. So near death experiences. Near, yeah, exactly. So this part, I light up like a like like a was it what's that saying? Is it like you light up like a Christmas light on Christmas Eve or something? I don't know. It's just light up like a Christmas tree. I guess that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, maybe I'm an idiot. Um, like last time we couldn't figure out stunt du- stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That was so funny. Anyway, so um, so this is what happened. They pulled me into the room, and I remember uh, I, I like to, <laughs> I like to piss people off or freak people out. So you're gonna like, antagonize it, bro. That's yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was laying down, and they pulled me in, and and when they pulled me in, I was like, I was uh, sitting there, just all calm, and then when they pulled me in, I sat up. And I wanted to see all the stuff. And they were like, what are you doing? Relax. I was like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I wanted to see what you're going to cut me with. Because I wasn't going to feel it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, But what, I think the craziest part That's was... That's insane, bro. It's, the, what's crazy is after what happens, I lay down. They put a mask over my face. Yeah. And when they when they put a mask over my face, I usually, you know, when you go to the dentist, oh, you're going to feel a little numbness and it takes a few minutes. Dude, I was out. I was out. You were like totally out. I was completely out. The mo- the next thing I remember. That's what happened when I had I had surgery on my leg. I'll yeah. go more into that, but yeah. same thing. I like they put the mask on me, I was out. Just knocked out, You're right? Gone. So I was out, I was gone. The moment I was gone, I remember exactly what happened after. I ended up like so it feels it feels weird explaining it cuz it's like we live in like a physical world, right? Yeah. Like you can, like you can you touch, pick up, you can, yeah, yeah, you can touch things. You can pick up dirt. You can grab it in your hands. You know it's dirt, right? But what I experienced was completely different. And I tell people this story to this day. I don't tweak anything. I don't change anything. Yeah. But I remember like a, what's it called? Like, I remember it felt like the cosmos. It felt like a mm-hmm. galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was, what was crazy was 
the best way you can that you can I describe it is like if you think of uh, like Netflix, the movie, the TV show, Stranger Things, like how they had the oh, like, okay eerie the, kind the, of thing. yeah, it's like an eerie in between. But this didn't really feel eerie. It actually felt, even though I wasn't like I couldn't see my physical body, whatever the case was, I could still feel mm. something. And you've never experienced. I've never. Movie. I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, "What is this?" I don't like. I didn't know I was gone. <laughs> I didn't know I was out. Like you know, it was just weird. Yeah, I didn't feel any pain. I was just didn't know what was going on. Mm. And I remember. I ended up going back into my into someone else's body. I didn't understand what was going on, so I back, I ended up in someone else's body, and I was in New York. And I was like, "What?" And the you remember heck? looking at your? Hands? I remember I was looking at someone's hand. I don't know what it was. I was looking at someone's like I get felt like a movie, you know, like what is this? Like I didn't know, and I was like, like Spider Man realizing, yeah, like I was like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. just I was I was completely freaked out. Wow. And then I ended up in someone else's body, in someone else's body. And then I went back into the cosmos, right? Whatever it was. And people say it's the universe, bro. But I'll explain why I know it's not. So I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, like I feel like I'm floating. Yeah. But I'm not, I can't see my body. Is that if that makes mm. sense? So I feel like I'm floating, but I feel like something is like you know how like you have a dad or father figure touching your shoulder, like massaging your back, your massaging back. your back. That's what it felt like. But I couldn't I couldn't turn around and see what was behind me. As I'm sitting there, I feel this like, I, I feel this like like comforting, loving thing. And it's saying you're all connected. And I, I didn't understand what that meant. Cause I'm like, uh, what? Then I go back into, into my own body, but I'm like, I don't know how far in the future, this part's a trip. So I end up in, um, I end up like in, in a, in a backseat of a car and I'm driving or someone's driving and mm. I kind of little by little start to see the end of the world. Mm. And it doesn't really make sense to me yeah. because I'm not, I'm confused. I'm like, we're all connected. Now I'm seeing the end of the world. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. After I see that, I'm like confused. I baffled. I have no idea what's going on. And then I see rusted buildings, dirt. Mm-hmm. I see not one human. So I don't see skeletons like on the floor. Destroyed. Just everything's destroyed. It looks like mm-hmm. an atomic bomb dropped and everything's wiped out. And just there's no life. And then I come, I I feel like I go back into my body and all of a sudden I hear him say, it's okay, son, I have you. Like, there's not, like, you don't need to worry. And I didn't know what that was, right? I didn't experience it. Because you never experienced God's love. I never experienced God's love. I never experienced God ever. I prayed to him my entire life. God, do this for me. Can you please help me out? I'm homeless. I'm doing this. It was always one way. Yeah. It was always just me demanding things from him, you know? And what really shook me that day was... Um, mm. I felt like how can a God so big love little Omar in California, you know? Mm. And what really resonated with me was when I woke up. Well, this part terrifies the heck out of me. Yeah. So uh, I woke up and I looked at my mom in the face and I wanted to say something exciting because I didn't know. I just remember everything I just saw. When you were coming off and I was coming, drugs. Yeah, <laughs> I was coming off drugs. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth, first thing that comes out of my mouth is there is no God. And I knock out. But inside me, I'm screaming, that's not me. So what happened, what I started realizing Whoa. inside me is I felt like, you seen the movie Split? I, I, don't, I haven't seen that movie well, there, there's a movie. Yeah. There's a movie called Split. I think it's with, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but. He, uh, it's a guy who made glass and an unbreakable. Anyway, okay, so, so similar. It's yeah, split. So it's it's a psychological thriller about a guy who has multiple personalities. Okay, 
And at the end of it, you kind of see that the real character comes out. And the real mm. guy is like, whoa, what's going on? So essentially, Split is exactly what was going on with me. There was multiple wow. demons that were manifesting inside me. And I know that sounds super far-fetched. But for me to say that, and then inside me, I'm like, shake. I like, I want to shake my head. But the first thing, like, dude, imagine having a surgery. And the first thing that comes out of your mouth after you've been saved from almost dying, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is there is no God, right? It's like, it's like you, that wasn't even your instinct. That's not your, that's no one's instinct, right? Yeah. And, and then I remember I was out again yeah. and that's when my wife comes into perspective. Yeah. So my wife, which you, you know. Yeah. Um, and she was there, right? Like she was there with you. She, she was, she wasn't there. Well, she wasn't your wife at the time. She wasn't my wife at, at all at the time, but she was a girl I was kind of hitting on um, at the UFC gym yeah. when I was working there. And I was trying to smooth this one. I was like, ah, yeah. oh, dude, I'm going to get this girl. I'm going to get this girl. And I didn't. And uh, we ended up just becoming friends. And I was okay with that. Yeah. And I, uh, she heard she heard that from what I understand. Did she, did she talk to you about it at all? She talked a little bit, just like she prayed for you and stuff like that. So what happened was she told me this. I, and I... I literally interrogated her before we were even dating thousands of times because yeah. I wanted to make sure none of this was some kind of like crazy Pentecostal like experience, you know? Yeah. I didn't want to make sure, I wanted to make sure it was authentic and two sides of this coin, right? So she comes over and she starts, she, she gets a word from the Lord and she's at church and mm. in this church, she's praying and she's praying, she's weeping, she's crying. She's like, I feel for Omar and she feels like the Lord is saying, go to Cedar side and I pray over him. I'm going to heal him. Now, I barely even know her. She doesn't know anything yeah, about my family. She doesn't even know. know I had a girlfriend. I just knew she was going to the hospital. That's and you just knew she was going to the hospital. So I, I, from what I heard from her, she was saying, as I got in the car and I was being obedient, you know, your dad waved to me on Facebook. And you know, that, that awkward the wave. wave yeah. The wave, the wave emoji. Yeah. And then he was like, hey, she's like, I don't know you, sir, but I feel like the Lord is telling me to come home and pray over your son. Because I was actually having a pneumonia in the hospital wow. and I was like almost dying. Turns out my dad's like, that's crazy because I actually heard... Like the Lord told me he would send someone. And that's crazy because I'm like, dang, dude, like God's looking out God's for little tight, me, bro. you know? Mm. And uh, so as this yeah. is going on, I little by little start to see, mm. you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm still kind of coming in and coming out, right? You were fading in and out. Fading yeah. in and out. And I started seeing, um, I, the, I still don't remember. I, I, to this yeah. day, I don't really know what I was, what I was like, what I could I don't know what it means to this yeah, day, yeah. but I remember seeing a like a sunflower microscopically zoomed in and a bumblebee. Mm. That's all I. That's all I remember. And to this day, I still kind of try to figure it out. Yeah. But that's all I remember. And I remember waking up and my dad's like, "You got a good friend," and he's pointing to the sky, and because he realized what God did. What God did, but I, at the time, like I um, really wasn't close with my dad, and I kind of saw him as an enemy, and I was I was angry, I was pissed off, I didn't know what was going on. Mm. And apparently, um, you know, when she was praying over me, the doctor said, we can't have you come in. We're going like, to, no more visitors for the rest of the week. She waited and waited and waited and waited for hours. They, they invited her back in. She prayed. And after the first time she prayed, I was convulsing weird stuff. After that, she ended up, when she was praying over me, I heard voices. This is why I'm saying, I heard voices saying, she's making it uncomfortable. She's, she's embarrassing you. Everyone around you is judging you. And I was out. I wasn't awake. I wasn't like my but you eyes could were hear up. It? But I could hear these voices in my head. But I, mm. I wasn't. Because you were fading in and out. I was fading yeah. in and out, but I wasn't awake. I wasn't conscious. I wasn't. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
and yeah, I, he was still voices. trying to come off the medicine. So when I got out, yeah, when I got out of the hospital, I started questioning her. Like, were you on? Were you making things awkward? Were you uncomfortable? Were you embarrassing? Turns out, on her side, people in the same hospital were asking her to pray over other people because they saw what happened with me. The next day, dude, wow. I was standing and I was walking, and I, I don't know, man. Like, it's crazy because it started feeling mm-hmm. like I didn't know what was going on, but I even showed you the picture. And I carry it with me to remind me when I feel like a piece of crap and I want to complain. But as I'm walking, there's a guy next to me walking with me. And in the picture is a blurry patch over my chest. And this guy's walking with me. And the nurse behind me is talking to him in the picture. But he's not there. And I wasn't even paying attention because I'm like, I just want to put one foot in front of the other. You know, <laughs> I like, just walk, I just want to walk. I want to get out of here. I kept hearing him saying, it's okay, son. I have you. Like. That made me feel so alive because I've been feeling rejected my entire life. And mm-hmm. it's it's hard because sitting back and seeing how my brother treats me and my little sister and, and my fam and my so-called friends that I've known my whole life. I sit back and I, I, I'm like, thank you, God, for putting me through this, not them. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Like he, I mean, I'm not saying they can't take it or whatever, but I'm saying like... You're saying you have such a different perspective now. Yeah, and like I, I've grown from where I was. Mm. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, because the things that I've experienced are nowhere close to the things I want my friends to experience. Like, this is a traumatizing thing. <laughs> yeah. I was a homeless. I was, Dude, I was yeah. living on the street. I was, you know, going through things left and right yeah. that I would never wish on anybody else. And I felt so alone, so abandoned. I felt, I felt like super, I just don't even know, man. I felt extremely like broken, Mm -hmm. you know, to even want to die and like not see anybody's faces again. I didn't know what I was going to experience. And going from that to knowing what God had done for me was amazing. And to think that when I was in, when I was in the, I guess the in between, as people say, or space, yeah. I didn't hear the universe talking to me. I didn't hear Muhammad. I didn't hear Buddha. <laughs> yeah. If I did, I'd say Buddha is the way, you know. But I heard Jesus, and Jesus was. I felt like either an angel or Jesus. Someone was walking with me in that hospital room when you first started. When walking. I first started walking, and everyone saw it, but people still denounced Christ. And I'm like, okay, I get it, you know. It's uncomfortable. And there's a picture of it? You have a picture? Yeah, there's a picture of, of me walking and there's a guy, the nurse is talking to someone and there's nobody in the picture, but I'm just looking on the ground trying to walk forward like an old man with a cane. Like, oh. I'm just looking down, my patch over my scar, there's a pat, There's no patch there, but it looks blurry. Like someone literally edited a, a perfect square over it. And to this day, I still don't, and the guy gave me a pin to this day and it said March 2019. I, March 2019th, I don't really don't remember anything besides Bethel's birthday in 2019, but I went to Bethel, that was for sure, but I mean, I don't think that's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. the Bethel church is God's church, you know what I mean? Like, I know God speaks there, but I'm not saying that there's a specific reason. Like, I had no idea what was going on. Mm. And to this day, I remember there was people in that hospital talking with the guy next to me. And the guy disappeared. I don't know if it's an angel. I don't know if it was Jesus. It could have been like an angel yeah. appearing. And I know, I know that I hear a lot of theology of people saying that there's so many angels that like they don't even know what to do. You know, like the angels have so much free time. Like because no one's <laughs> like praying for angels to come down, you know. Exactly. But I like it's not so much about the experience that I went through. But my mm-hmm. experience was so real. I, I There's no way I can fabricate it, you know. And that's the mm-hmm. reason why I decided to write a book because I want to talk about where I came from 
and why I thought the way I thought, what moved me a certain way yeah. to believe certain things, why I see Christianity as a religion and how I saw it as a religion, how that affected me to the point to where I almost died. You know, and that, that death was my, that was my, my death. And when Christ says, you know, that we're to give in a second life or a new life. Or a new creation. Or a new creation. Yeah. I'm a whole different person. I'm not the same man that I was. You're not the same Omar. Yeah, I'm not the same Omar that my friends knew back in 2018 or 2017 when I was trying to fight. But I was really like going out and getting drunk and hanging out with porn stars. Like that kind of lifestyle was not my lifestyle, you know. And I mean, it's not my lifestyle now. Yeah. And to be able to be in the position that I was in mm. and still be alive to this day, it like, it, it humbles me because it's like, people think, you know, oh, I'm a good Christian. I do this, I do that. Mm. That's why God rewards me. Like, I was a piece of crap and God, and God still, still saved me. And this is another mm. voice that I, I didn't mention. Another voice that, that, that still convicts me and, and I get checked every day is God tell, when I was in the, when I was up in the, in the space, I didn't understand what he meant. He said, I'm sending you back to tell them how much I love you. That's how much I love you. So to me, it didn't make sense, but it made sense. God's sending me back to tell the world how much he loves them. Mm. But I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds good. That sounds tight. I'm, I'm, I'm game. But when I really, because I didn't think, think it through. Now that I think back, I'm like, yeah, try telling someone that on the planet. Like everyone's going to be like, oh, acceptance. Or they're like, going to say, this? who's this? Who's this God to tell me like, you really think this God? And the reason they say that is because they're hurt by religion, you know? Mm. And, I, and I know that because I personally experienced that. So yeah. if anything, if anybody gets anything from this podcast is like, I 100% wasn't a believer, even though I claimed to be. I was a religious Christian. I almost faced death. And when I faced death and I thought, I literally thought I was going to stand before God and he was going to judge me and condemn me to hell. He did the complete opposite and said, I'm sending you back. Like brace yourself and I'm giving you a second chance at life because I love you and I love everyone else out there and tell them that I love them. And that really broke me because it's like, you hold so much anger, you hold so much pain and people are like, well, God loved me. Like, why would he take my parents? Or if God loved me, why would he let me go through this? It's like, that's because of the fall of man. We made mistakes. And there's a very real enemy. There's a very real enemy. Everyone wants to blame God, but they totally forget about Satan. You know, and Satan wants to hide in the, in, in the shadows. Just like the garden, he comes in like a snake and he bites us on the heel and he blames God. Yeah. So yeah. That's, 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 what I, that's pretty much what I went through. And I'm still kind of working out the kinks. But yeah. aside from that, I think little by little, God's going to... God's gonna use me, and I'm and I'm 100 game for it because I wasn't being used in the fight community. All yeah. I was doing was being a wannabe, a poser, going through and the motions. I was yeah. going through the motions. Great, sure, yeah, I had techniques. I had all these great, amazing, you know, maneuvers I can do. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody can train. But what happens when you get too old? Every single one of those fighters that I know, I love them. You know, I know God loves them. They're talented in their ways, but realistically, age is gonna come crawling up on them, and they're yeah. gonna be left with answering. What else can you offer? If you're not, if you can't offer anything, the world says you're irrelevant. So my message to anybody is that there is a God, there is a Jesus that He sent. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us when we didn't deserve it, and it, He didn't do it because we deserved it. He did it because He's a good God. It's not about anything good that we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think I think that's just something I really wanted <laughs> to open up on because, you know, I know. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what what person's listening. I have no agenda. I just want to share what happened to me because it's 
it's like, you know, if someone saved you, for example, if you're walking down the street, someone saves you for almost getting hit by a car. Aren't you going to go tell people? I almost got hit by a car. Some guy jumped, pushed me out of the way. Mm. Of course, you're going to brag about it. It's the same thing with me. I dodged a bullet. Like, and it wasn't me. God did everything for me. Yeah. When everyone else like pretty much could, thought I was a lost cause. Yeah, like you were in the face of death with your heart surgery and God said, I'm going to take this heart surgery. Yeah. I'm going to use it and give him a second chance. Yeah, I think the one thing that I did, I did, I did say that I, I, I would say like in a loving way is that, you know, my old coach, Josh, um, Josh Barnett, he was like, hey, you know, they were trying to encourage me after. And I, and I know their meanings and I know the, they mean they yeah, mean well because it's like at the same time, how do you, what do you tell someone that was a knucklehead? Because he gave me a book um, by Jordan Peterson and he was like, yeah, you know, um, he gave me a book and cared and, and whatnot. And I, and I felt like in, in a nutshell, he was pretty much saying like, you can still train because he was there. People were sending me fighters who had heart surgery and had crazy surgeries. Trying and to encourage you. And, and still trying to encourage me. But I... I felt like God gave me this wisdom that kind of surpassed it all, which was a bittersweet pill at the time. But it was like, you know, I, I sent, I gave him a card, a Christmas card. And I said, Hey man, like, I just want to let you know, I know you don't believe in God, but that's okay because God still loves you. And he'd sent his son to die for you, even though you didn't believe. And I'm just letting you know right now, I'm half your age and I face death. And he sent me back to tell people how much he loves them. So I'm going to continue telling people how much he loves him. I'm not going to be expendable. I'm not a piece of crap, you know, and I'm not saying he was treating me that way, but I was, I wanted to, to explain to him, real and like that, tell him like, got like I face death half your age, you're 40 something years old. You you can only train so much, you know, what, where do you go from like here? What else is there? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I almost face death, you know, and you're getting closer. The only people that have been closer to death than me and you. Is me, and I'm younger than you. So what does that <laughs> so what, that speaks volumes, you know? Yeah. And for me to at a young age to be like, nope, I'm done with this, you know? It's like it, it's kind of like okay, there's some, he sees. It's something. like you were on this path, you're on this road to like become a fighter or per se train to be someone, mm -hmm. and now you're saying I'm laying it all down and giving it up so that I could spread this message. Like it's totally counterfeit. It's countercultural to the fight community because it's like oh well there's plenty of fighters who go through surgeries go through near-death experiences and they're like i'm going to keep doing it and they overcome yeah. and those stories are powerful and they're they're amazing mm -hmm. and they're they're glorious and i think it's it's beautiful mm -hmm. uh, but i think i think what i want our listeners to know today is that um whatever tragedy whatever your story is whatever experiences you've given through and I, I i'm not speaking for omar but i want to comment on what he said is i think that hearing the fullness of omar's story matters because there's so many that are thinking the same thing that you're that you went through that there maybe have faced death before maybe there's someone out there like my good friend drew back at home shout out to drew that he's had heart surgery from the day he was seven years old mm -hmm. he had three heart surgeries so it's like he's faced death and he knows the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of people who have gone through that sort of thing. And so I just, I want our listeners to know that there is a very real God. And we want this podcast to come across as loving, full of truth, full mm -hmm. of grace, but also be willing to talk about hard topics. And that comes from the experience that we know a very real God and not yeah. saying, our experience is better than someone else's and we're better than all these other religions. Exactly, like yeah. we're not here to, to debate and say, you know, Christianity is way better than everything else. But we're saying what we know to be true is that there's a very real God and his name is Jesus. 
and he is the way to the Father, mm -hmm. the only way to the Father. Mm -hmm. And we want people to know that he's real and he loves you and he cares deeply about every single one of you listening to this podcast right now. So do you have any final thoughts? I do want to say um, for the for listeners, I didn't really think that my story was that big of a deal, um, mainly because there's many, like you said, you know, there's just so many people who have so many amazing stories that like just blow your mind, you know? Yeah. And I think it's the story. It's it's not the story. It's God in the story. You know. Yeah. Like what what good is it? What good is it for me to tell my sob story about being me being homeless and all that stuff so people can feel pity for me? Right. There has to be joy at the end. Right. And that joy was God, sacri like sacrificing Christ for me. Yeah. You know. And and I think that's it's essentially what really touched me was that I'm actually being able to tell people my story, and people are actually being touched. And that's not me. That's God. Yeah. Know, because it's like it's not about me it's not omar avulus it's like god's love for me is the same thing that can be for you you know because he does love you you know it's yeah. like it's not like you have to give oh i gotta give this up i gotta give this up there's certain things god will speak to you there's a still small voice in your head that you know is not you that makes you uncomfortable that voice is the <laughs> holy spirit for and that sure. voice is telling you, hey, maybe, you know, we have a friend of ours who's saying maybe the Lord is telling him to stop smoking weed because he wants to get a better job. And he's like, okay, well, I can't get a better job if I continue smoking weed. Right. So stop smoking weed. Right. And that's the Lord telling him. God's not like, you're going to hell because you're smoking weed. That's that's religion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like I want to tell our listeners that, you know, no matter where you are, wherever you are in life, God loves you and he's going to meet you because he built you. He created you. And because he created you, he knows what makes you tick. He knows what interests you have, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think I just want to encourage people to really, like, take a step back and analyze themselves as well as ask people genuinely throughout the day how they're doing with an actual concern, you know? Like, yeah. To see how people are doing, not for religious sake, not to be a better person, but just to really care about people. Because people around the world, yeah. especially in a busy environment like L.A., People just kind of skim right past you, you know? Yeah, you're and just another face. You're just another face for the gram, you know? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with gram, but it's like, yo, you got to, like, love the people next to you, you know? Mm. So Yeah, and yeah, I just want to encourage people, I think, um, to share a little story, just a quick recap of yesterday. Um, I work at Chipotle, and um, I had a guest come up to me, and we started talking, and, you know, I served him food and stuff like that at my job. And uh, at, towards the end of the conversation, I ended up sharing like, you know, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. But he, it got to the point where he recognized something was different. Um, and he said, like, you seem to like care about people. And I said, yeah. And he said, no, I'm just living for a greater purpose. And he kind of gave me that look, like curious look, like, like, who is this guy? You know, like, what's his motive? Mm -hmm. And so I just said, well, I'm a Christian. And he goes, oh, my gosh, no way. Like, me too. So he, like, gave me a handshake. And he was an older gentleman, mm -hmm. probably 50, 60 years old. And what really blessed me and made me realize the beauty of being a Christian um, in this day and age is that people want to be noticed and loved. Mm -hmm. And so easily in, in Christianity, it's it's very easy to overlook the least of these. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm getting emotional. Dang it. Um, but it's it's so easy to, to just have another guest go through the line at my job and not care if they're hurting. Like not take interest in the fact that the God of the universe created this person that is in the likeness of him 
and has the very same image of God that I have. And they're beautiful and they're their ethnicity is different and their backstory is different and their lifestyle is different and they may have nothing in common with them but the fact that they are loved by the same God and he said it shows it really shows like the the way you care about people and he said continue to do that keep going for it because it really shows and it really matters yeah. and so it really made me realize like when we care about people when Christians truly just from the inside out, allow God to transform. Like you said, this whole experience transformed essentially who you were. You were a fighter. You cared about no one but yourself. You were trying to go from house to house or from car to car or store to store. It didn't matter. Like you were just trying to live your life. And now the God of the universe is saying, I love you so much that I saved you from this traumatic near-death experience and I'm going to use it to reach people. And for all the listeners tuning in, and we want you to know that there is a very real God. There is a very real Jesus. Yeah. And he truly loves and truly cares. And so this podcast, everything we talk about, we want to be represent representatives of the God of the universe that loves us so deeply. And uh, we want to take interest. We want to care. And so, yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, is that... I I realized, you know, as a, as a Christian, you kind of think, oh man, my life's going to suck. You know, I got to do this. I got to give up this. But realistically, I realized that what happens is God gives us more. For example, I was homeless. I was living in a car. I lost my dog. God has given me that, like he's given me a billful in a sense. Right. I'm married now. My wife and I are super happy. We live in an apartment when we didn't even live in an apartment, we lived in a small room. When we did live in a small room, we were terrified of where we were going to stay. You know, mm -hmm. God really actually came through for us and said, I'll take care of you. And he hasn't, he hasn't let up since, you know, and he's consistently mm -hmm. providing. You know, I have a good stable job. I have students that I teach. So all this stuff is helping me pay for the, the road trip we're driving across in a, like two months. Yeah. And that, it's like, he doesn't just bless you, but he gives you more than you mm -hmm. can possibly imagine, you know? Yeah. Because the money that Donald Trump has is not Donald Trump's. It's God's already, you know? Yeah, it's all God's, yeah. Everything belongs to It's beautiful. To yeah, so it's, it's amazing. So I think that is um, all the time that we have for the podcast today. But I, I want to do something a little bit different. I know uh, last week it was really great and um, the podcast just was really successful in that People loved it, um, but I think this week would be really um, cool to close out uh, Omar's story with just praying for our listeners. I think it'd be really uh, unique and different just to close out and just pray a a, a prayer of just blessing and, and just uh, for God's love to meet you right where you're at this week. I think that'd be really cool. So um, yeah, I'm just going to pray. So God, thank you so much for uh, every single listener, I know every heart that is going to tune in to this podcast is so unique in the way that you created them. Uh, they're different, they're beautiful, they're lovely. And so I, I'm just grateful for every single person that tunes in from all over the world, uh, including uh, different cities, different states here in the United States, even locally. God, we just thank you for them. We thank you for their life, that if you still have breath in your lungs, that they have a purpose and they have a destiny and they have a 
a, a lifestyle that you are choosing to offer to them, a way that is so much more fulfilling than the empty world that offers them. And so, uh, Lord, we just lift them up even right now, even if in their brokenness, even if they're in tragedy, even if they're in the midst of a really hard circumstance, or if their life is beautiful and everything's put together. God, I ask that you would meet them right where they're at. I pray that your love would come in the midst of every circumstance and every situation. I pray that you would reveal yourself Jesus, that you would show up in the midst of every single person's life and that you would be real to them just as the breath in their lungs and um, you would come through in every single way. And so, Lord, we just add thank you for this podcast. Thank you for today and thank you for tuning in all of our listeners all around the globe. So uh, thank you, Lord. And so uh, just to close out, we just want to say thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in. Be sure to hit up the website and see our podcast uploaded every single week here at Peacekeepers Podcast. Omar just reposted his blog going way more in depth into a story, a recap, all that kind of good stuff. So be sure to check out keeperofthefaith.wordpress.com. And uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe on our website so you can stay up to date with all things happening here at Peacekeepers Podcast. Until next time, see you guys later. Mm-hmm.